Before I go into my message, just want to give uh, people an update. Um, many of you wouldn't, maybe would not be aware. Um, uh, there was a man um, who served our church uh, for a while, a family, the Godwins. Uh, Billy Godwin um, was a key discipler um, in Pastor Mark's life. And uh, y'all know, many of y'all would remember Billy Godwin, and, and he passed away a while back. Um, his, one of his, uh, his youngest son, Stephen, um, who's a dear friend of mine, uh, my age, uh, passed away yesterday. And, um, and um, it's a... Uh, uh, a darker day today um, without him around. He had battled diabetes uh, for a while and um, was facing some treatments. Um, and if you guys know Angie Morris, um, who you know has been with our church for a very long time, um, Stephen was Angie's um, nephew, and uh, she loved him dearly. Um, she really did. And uh, so, if you um, are, if you know Angie, uh, please reach out to her and um, and offer your condolences to her. Um, and so anyhow, um, we'll very much miss Stephen. Uh, everyone is unique. Um, and so don't, don't take this the wrong way. You're all unique. Um, but there are some people in this world that are truly unique, um, and are truly different. And Stephen was one of those people. Um, you can't really encapsulate Stephen, um, in words, you have to experience him. Um, and he was funny in a way that, uh, just touched, you know, your whole body and, um, he was just an uh, incredible person and uh, challenged me all the time uh, to, to not um, go along with just the norm and to, and to dare to be different um, and to be brave. And so I miss him a lot today. Um, and today we're talking about uh, generosity with time. And uh, so if I feel a bit um, melancholy today, um, I'm just, you know, uh, doing the task of... Uh, carrying um, uh, uh, sadness and grief, uh, but continuing on um, in the work that God um, has put before me today. And so I'm very um, eager to get to share with us this morning this message about time. And uh, events like yesterday, I think, give a whole new perspective to, to time. And so as I've looked back through my message, um, through the lens of, uh, of loss, um, I think it gives um, just myself a great cause for reflection um, to think about how to invest our time well and how to be generous with it. Amen? So if we have not met, my name is Pastor Mark Anthony, and I'm so grateful to be teaching you this morning. And uh, we're in a series of teachings called The Generous Life. And today's topic is time. The message title is The Generous Give Their Time. The generous give their time. And we read in Acts 20, verses 32 through 35, and these are the words of the Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus, a church that he helped start. He says in verse 32, And now I commend you to God and to the message of his grace, a message that is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or clothing, you know for yourselves that I worked with my own hands to support myself and my companions. And in verse 35, in all this, I've given you an example that by such work, we must support the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus, for he himself said, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And, uh, you know, in our calendar, we're in this year 
uh, we're in the season of the year uh, where we're heading into Thanksgiving and um, it's the time of giving thanks. And then we're heading into our Christmas season. And so what a time of the year to spend some time reflecting on the the idea of giving and giving being better than receiving. And we see that modeled in the life of Jesus. Generosity has two core principles. There is joy in giving and every good thing we have comes from God. So there's joy to be found in giving and what we have been given comes from God. So I'm not giving what is mine, I'm giving back what has been entrusted to me. And that's a core principle of generosity. If I want to grow in generosity, I must endeavor to experience, I must make an effort to experience the joy found in giving. And 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, each one of us must do as he has made up his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful, a joyful giver. And so when we think about generosity, it's not an act of compulsion or manipulation or reluctance. It's an act of choice done with joy. We're not generous because of manipulation, out of reluctance. True generosity is an action accompanied by joy. I have received from God. I'm thankful to God. In worship and in joy, I give back what he has given to me. As a Christian, we find an outstanding model of generosity in the person of Jesus. See, we see in Jesus, someone who lived with his whole life available to God. He held nothing back. And in Philippians chapter two, verses four through eight, let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so when we consider our lives being available and we consider generosity and we consider giving, typically when we hear the word generosity, we associate generosity with money. And money is, the tip, is typically the first thing that we think of when generosity is mentioned. And it's for good reason. Money is a powerful asset and money is also really important to us humans. But the generous life is not simply a life that is generous with money. It's a way, but that is just one potential outflow of your generosity. One potential outflow of your generosity is money. But we have other ways in which as we make our life available, and as we tr endeavor to give what has been given to us by God in generosity, we find many other ways in which we can participate in the joy of giving. The asset resource we all have that we are discussing today is our time. And I think if I were to ask most of you what the most valuable thing that your parents gave you or like could have given you more of, during your childhood, you would say time, not money. We see that an exchange of time with people is such a valuable resource. More so than I could just, you know, give you some money or buy you this thing and 
Those are incredible acts of generosity. I'm not diminishing those a bit. If you want to buy me something, I'm not going to do, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have a smile on my face, okay? Trust me. But there's something about time that is so valuable and so precious and yet can be undervalued. Time is a finite resource. We've been allotted the same hours in a day, days in a week, weeks in a year. And some of us will have more time on this earth than other people will. And as I've thought pretty much nonstop since yesterday, why would someone as so special and gifted and uh, unique as my friend Stephen um, have his time expire at the time that it did? Um, And it seems like an injustice. It it seems unfair. It seems like something was robbed from the world. And so events like this cause us to consider the, the finiteness of our time, this resource that we have been given, some more than others. But as humans, we're unable to escape that there's an expiration that we all face in our earthly bodies. And slowing down time, it doesn't work, neither does speeding it up. But while we can't adjust the speed of time and we don't have an infinite amount of time, we can do a few things. We can, one, we can adjust how we spend or invest our time. We can change how we view time. And we can seek to live, hear me, undistracted lives so that we are present and unhurried with the time and the people that we've been given. As a Christian, I believe that time and today, this day, is a gift from God. Psalm 118.24 says, This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I'm going to read that again. Psalm 18, 118, 24. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Since today is a gift, each moment of it, why would I not try to give back some moments to God or to those around me? Since God has made this day, since he has given me this time, since he's given me um, uh, this day, why would I not try to give back some of those, some of these moments, some of this time to him and to others. If I view today as my day, I earn this day, this is my moment, then I have committed myself to an entitlement that makes it very challenging to relinquish moments back to God or to others. If this is my time, I've earned this time then there is an entitlement around my time that makes it very hard to relinquish that time back to other people and to God. And so in your 24-hour day that God has given you, you all have been given a 24-hour day each and every single day, it is appropriate that you give some of that time back to God. It is appropriate to give some of the 365 days that you have in a year in service to people and to your community 
That is a very um, appropriate thing for us to do and way to be generous. We've been given time. We're going to give time back. In light of this, I can allow time to pray and to read scripture. Hear me. It is befitting that since God has created all things and I am one of those things and he has created time and he's given me time that I would give back to him some of that time, both in big moments and small moments. We have a God who stands outside of time. He creates a world. He creates humans. He creates times. And we have all been gifted the opportunity to step into this reality that he has created. We've been given time. Now, how will we steward that time? Will we hoard it to ourselves? Will we give, will we give it away without much thought at all? Both ends of that spectrum, in my view, are incorrect and unwise, that we would hoard it to ourselves or that we would just give it away without much concern or thought. Now, we must look to Jesus as the model for how we invest our time with God the Father and others. And we commit to learning how to be good stewards of the time given us. This is not an easy task. What stands in the way? What stands in the way of us having an appropriate view of time? What stands in the way of us giving of our time? So our life, our human existence is not simple. It may be simple for me to stand up and say, hey, God's created you. He's given you time. Give some back to him. And you may say, man, sounds easy, right? I want to do that. That sounds appropriate as a Christian. I want to worship God. I want to honor God with my time. But our lives are not as simple. Our lives are complex. We have external circumstances that can dictate and determine our time. And we have internal obstacles and challenges that rob or constrain our time. So let's name a few things. And then I want to land on a specific topic for us to focus on. Our jobs demand time. Hello? Our families demand time. Young families, my children, they demand, they demand my time. My daughter, daddy, sit with me. Daddy, eat with me. I mean, it is like she needs a companion at every activity or step. Play with me. You know, she can't even go to the bathroom by herself. I mean, she can. She's been trained to do that. But she needs a companion. She needs a friend the whole way. So families, your home demands your time, chores, housework, yard work. Your body requires time to sleep and to eat. And what happens after you eat? Some of y'all think that, you know, your significant other maybe spends too much time on that. And I'll let you guys just sort of ruminate on what I'm talking about. Traffic robs your time. Oh my goodness. Why did I decide to go to the island today? Getting off this causeway is miserable, right? I feel like my time has just been robbed from me. Emergencies take time. Maybe it's a flat tire, a busted pipe. Learning things takes time. People who we know who are in crisis take time. 
And so these, among a hundred other possible things on a daily basis, can lay claim to your time. And these are not bad things. This is not, you know, these are not inherently, you know, my daughter needing somebody at every step of the way to be with her is not a bad thing, you know. I really love giving that time. But I just recognize that there are things and it's good to name the things that lay claim to your time. And so there are external factors like the ones we just mentioned. But there's these internal factors as well that affect us. Something that I've confessed to you all um, that has robbed me of time is my struggle with anxiety. And so some of you, like me, you're fighting battles in your mind. And they take you away from the present and can immobilize you from, from making progress and, and make engaging with God and with others, very difficult. Engaging with circumstances, very difficult. Internally, our view of time can be flawed and in need of redemption. And I need you to hear that because God desires to redeem all our whole selves, right? Our whole selves. And some of us, we have a flawed view of time um, and, and, it, and it just needs redeeming. And, and just needs, in, there's an internal healing that God wants to do inside of you. Um, let me explain, you know, some of, some of us deal with a crippling feeling of regret. And so our view of time's past needs redeeming because we are in the present riddled with regret over past time. And it's an incredible obstacle. We can regret the past in a way that immobilizes us in the present. Other of, of, of us, we, we struggle with fear, and it's fear about the future. And so we're fearing a time that hasn't happened yet. So, so, so maybe internally we're regretting time that's already happened. We're afraid of time that hasn't happened yet. So how in this in-between time can I be generous with my time? And maybe now I see why it is such a struggle for me just to say, hey, God, here's my time. I want to give back to you this day that you've given me this week. I want to go out of my way and serve. And I, I want to be generous with my time. Because if we're regretting time, then we may feel the need to hang on to the time that we have in a way that, that hinders us. And if we're afraid of time that, 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 that's coming, it hurts us in the moment because as we plan, we do so out of fear and worry. So this prevents us from wisely using our time because we're afraid of making the wrong choices. And so I hope to validate these very real obstacles that I can imagine many of us face in different ways here in this room today. And if there's one thing I've learned, and I'll speak on regret for just a moment, I'm only 34 years old, but I've learned that as you get older, you just experience more time. And there's more time to mess up, to make mistakes. And so you just rack up more mistakes the more time goes on. And that can take its toll on you, can it? It really can. And it's okay. It is. Because God is a redeemer of time. And he's redeemed the time. When he said, the time has come, 
It's been fulfilled. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. He inaugurated a great Sabbath time to be experienced in him. That as I journey through this linear time, there is a time in which I can experience God's grace, his forgiveness, his mercy, and I can walk in freedom in the present. So naming our struggle, we look towards the example we have in Jesus who faced struggle and demands on his time. When Jesus began his ministry at age 30, he surrounded himself with 12 disciples. He had others that followed him. And with the 12, he made time for three within that 12. There were times when Jesus was surrounded by large crowds. There are times when Jesus was alone intentionally. What is true of Jesus is that he invested his time well and it was diversified across different people and groups of people and sizes of people. So here's for all of us introverts in the room, be challenged by the Jesus who was present amongst the crowds. And for all of us extroverts in the room, be challenged by the Jesus who spent time alone. Scary thought, isn't it? Here's some times where Jesus was alone. He was alone as he prepared for ministry. He withdrew to the wilderness. After challenging work and ministry time, he withdrew with his disciples to rest. After finding out that his cousin John the Baptist had died, he withdrew so that he could be alone and he could process his grief. I made time for that last night. Before he was arrested, he withdrew to be alone so that he could pray and deal with his fear about what was coming. You see, Jesus made time to process with the Father what had happened and what was coming so that in the present, he could walk in confidence in what God had called him to do. Jesus lived with attention. He spread his time across large gatherings, small groups, one-on-ones, solitude. Well, we can learn most from Jesus that will help us discern how to be generous with our time because, hear me, it requires discernment. Being generous with your time is not equal to just letting your time go and just freely giving in and letting others take advantage of it. We have to be wise and discerning and intentional with our time. What we can learn from Jesus is this. It's pace, 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 our rate of movement. When I was in high school, my basketball coach made me run cross country to help with conditioning. I thought that was a terrible idea um, because I just like running in sprints. I don't like running long distances. It gets very boring after a while. Um, so here I was running cross country. And um, I showed up to run at the first meet and being the competitive person I am, I moved all the way up to the front, okay? And up there, a guy turned around and he said to everyone in the group, can anybody run a 17 flat? Silence from everyone, no one said anything. And then he goes, looks like I'm running alone today. 
And you guys may not understand what's happening there. If you've run cross country, you do understand. It means that he can run his time, his time that he's going to run is going to be, you know, about 17 minutes flat. And so if you cannot run a 17 minute flat, then he's basically saying, I'll be running by myself today. See y'all later. Right. So it was a bit arrogant. And I took a lot of, uh, you know, I took that personally, we'll say being competitive. <laughs> and so that lit a fire in me and I was going to keep up with this guy. And so now to do this, I was going to have to run at a pace I don't normally run. And so the race starts and I am like on this guy's tail, right? And I stay on his tail to just past the halfway point, right? And once we get a little over halfway, I mean, I just, I tanked. I bottomed out. I had nothing left. I was walking. I needed an inhaler. Um, People are passing me like I was roadkill, you know, like it's just like, don't just keep going. Don't look at it. I ran the worst time I had ever run that day. It's because my pace was wrong. I tried to outperform. I tried to run at somebody else's pace. Jesus was able to be generous with his time because he, his, his pace made space for relationship with God and others. Jesus said, I only do what I see the father doing. I only say what I hear the father speaking. He told his followers that apart from him, the vine, there's no fruit, there's no life, there's no nutrition. Jonathan Edwards wrote that the only mark of genuine spirituality and ministry effectiveness is the outworking of agape, a self-giving love for God and for others. The devil cannot counterfeit that kind of love. This love is found when we run at a pace that invites God into our lives, when we develop intimacy with the Lord. So what's the obstacle? Many of us are trying to run a 17 flat like I did. We are hurried, we're distracted, we're disengaged, we're unfocused and misguided in what matters most. Pete Scazzaro, he asked this question in his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. I encourage you to read it. He asked this question, in what ways does my current pace of life enhance or diminish my ability to allow God's will and presence full scope in my life? I'm going to read that again. We're going to put it on the screen. The question is this, in what ways does my current pace of life enhance or diminish my ability and allow God's will and presence full scope in my life. See, just as we face obstacles, Jesus also faced many obstacles and life pressures, both external and internal, some greater than any that we face. However, Jesus, as we mentioned, routinely stepped a way to slow down and spend time with Father God. So the most special gift that you can give somebody is unhurried, undistracted time. And I think a big area of repentance for many of us as we close our service today and as we think about how to move forward with time is maybe we would think about how distracted we are. We may try to text other people 
while having a face-to-face meeting with somebody. So we're talking to two people at the same time. I'm guilty. Our child or grandchild is doing something cute right in front of us, but we're staring at our phone or the TV. I'm guilty. We overcommit ourselves. So then we're wrung out and tired when we go to meet with somebody that's really important to us. I'm guilty. There is a pace with God we must find that helps us to imitate Jesus in regards to how we spend our time. And this pace allows us to be present with God in a way that we truly connect with him so that we can discern his will for us for how we spend time with others and be attentive to their needs. And this is not a small task. We may spend our lives learning how to slow down and spend time with God. And so I ask you today, how is your pace? Are you running ahead of God? Have you stalled out and need a little acceleration? Life's full of many things. And running at a pace where we can be known by God and know him will help us better steward our time. If you want to be generous with your time, it begins with spending time with the one who created time. I feel like from this point, I could go in so many different directions and I could give us so many different practical steps and how to's And there are many, and I have books that we could read and there's all sorts of different resources about how to better be better stewards of our time and to be generous with our time and reflections we could do. But I just thought it's 1150 right now. We've got some time today. Maybe we would just be unhurried for a moment together. I could use it. In light of yesterday, I could really use it. And I would just venture to say that many of us could as well. Many of you could. Whether you realize it or not. See, the difficult thing about busyness is it doesn't allow us to be attentive to what we need. It can be scary to slow down. Because if you slow down, you have to confront what's right here. You have to confront that worry. You have to confront that fear. You have, to rec- you have to confront that regret. But I just wonder if we could just take this time that we have and be together and be with the Lord. I have a couple more reflection questions for us. Think about these for a moment. I'll read us a passage of scripture and our worship team will lead us in worship. How's that sound? And you can have some time. The altar will be open and you can reflect. Just be in silence. Silence is uncomfortable, isn't it? It can be a bit scary, but we need it. Our world is so, our world is so loud, so loud. We need silence. We need reflection. We need to spend time with God.
So what are the distractions or challenges that prevent you from giving unhurried time to both God and others? And what internal obstacles are you facing right now that are robbing your time past, present, and future? What are the distractions? What are the challenges? Preventing you from your unhurried time with God and with others. And what's going on internally that you're facing right now that's robbing you of your time? Let me read Ephesians 5, and then let's have our time together. Ephesians 5, 11 through 16 says this, and this is the message paraphrase of this verse. It says, don't waste your time on useless work, mere busy work, the barren pursuits of darkness. Expose these things for the sham they are. It's a scandal when people waste their lives on things they must do in the darkness where no one will see. Rip the cover off those frauds and see how attractive they look in the light of Christ. Wake up from your sleep. Climb out of your coffins. Christ will show you the light. So watch your step. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Don't live carelessly, unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the master wants. Let me pray for us. Let's worship. And let's just be for a moment. There's plenty of things to do when you leave here. <laughs> but this is an opportunity for you just to be. God's not needing you to do for anything for him right now. He's not needing you to earn relationship with him. Here's the gospel truth. He's purchased it for you. He's done the work. And now you may Sabbath rest, enter into Sabbath rest with the God who loves you, who cares for you, who created time and wants to spend time with you. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for time. Thank you for this time right now, these next few minutes. Lord, we choose not to rush past them. Lord, we choose to open up ourselves to you. In Jesus' name.